We discovered that there were secrets that your body was trying to tell you that could really help you optimize performance. But no one could monitor those things. And that's when we set out to build the technology that we thought could really change the world. Welcome to the Whoop Podcast. I'm your host, Will Ahmed, founder and CEO of Whoop, where we are on a mission to unlock human performance. At Whoop, we measure the body 24-7 and provide analytics to our members to help improve performance. This includes strain, recovery, and sleep. Our clients range from the best professional athletes in the world to Navy SEALs to fitness enthusiasts to Fortune 500 CEOs and executives. The common thread among Whoop members is a passion to improve. What does it take to optimize performance for athletes, for humans, really anyone? We're launching a podcast to dig deeper. We'll interview experts and industry leaders across sports, data, technology, physiology, athletic achievement, you name it. When I founded Whoop, I didn't know exactly where it would take me, and hosting a podcast was certainly not one of the first things on my mind. In the process, though, I've gotten to interact with amazing athletes, advisors, investors, and had some really fascinating conversations. And that was a lot of the inspiration for starting this podcast. I think there's something about this format, this type of conversation, that really allows you to delve deeper. My hope is that you'll leave these conversations with some new ideas and a greater passion for performance. With that in mind, I welcome you to the WHOOP podcast. I wasn't a failure because I failed at that particular event. You know, it's only a failure if you stop trying. This is episode three on the Whoop podcast, and my guest today is Katrin David's daughter, the two-time champion of the CrossFit Games, a.k.a. the fittest woman on earth. That's what you get called when you win the CrossFit Games, and Katrin has won it twice. Katrin's been a loyal Whoop user for nearly two years. I'm thrilled to talk to her here in this conversation about her journey from Iceland to the U.S., how she took up CrossFit, the highs and lows of her rapid ascension to the top of the sport, and all the little things she does each day to stay there. I think that's one of the most fascinating things about this conversation is all these different things that Katrin does to be her very best. Training schedule, recovery tactics she enjoys, bedtime routine, how she makes the most of her sleep, nutrition, uh, and then, of course, there's the occasional guilty pleasures. On a deeper level, we discuss gender equality and CrossFit, inspiring and empowering her millions of fans, the psychological aspect of trying to defend a world title, and how she's constantly striving to be the best possible version of herself. I hope you enjoy. Here's Katrin. Katrin, thanks for doing this. Thanks for having me. <laughs> well, very excited. There's so much I want to talk to you about, uh, especially your successful career in CrossFit mm-hmm. and some of the tips you have around training and recovery. We're going to get into all that. But first, I just wanted to ask you, like, when you were growing up, did you know you were going to be the fittest <laughs> woman on earth? Absolutely not. But, like, looking back, I honestly, like, when I first tried CrossFit, I felt like it was a sport made for me. And I just, I was born competitive, and I just love competing, and I, I thrive in that atmosphere, and I yeah, love totally. a good challenge. So 
like all through my like childhood I would I was constant I was probably so annoying I was always like I'd, I'd ask my brother I'd be like race me to the next lamp, lamppost or right, I right. just like set down a clock and like who can hold a handstand for longer I was like constantly looking for competition and throughout gymnastics I did gymnastics from 6 to 16 and I'm not even entirely sure that I love gymnastics. I was never good at the sport, but I think I loved the dedication. And I loved the. I was going to practice six days a week for four hours every day and having to, to kind of like schedule myself around that work hard. And I loved the conditioning part. I was the one that was always asking for conditioning. And the other girl was like, no, 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 no. no. Catching like, no, no, no. And that'd be the, yeah. So I was good at the conditioning. And when I started CrossFit, it's like conditioning for time and, and everyone wanted to compete every day. I, right. I started with the purpose of competing and Which is a little unusual, right? Or do most people at your level get into it from the mindset of, Um, I want to compete at this? With CrossFit, I feel like it's mostly a lifestyle sport. Yeah. People do it for exercise and for making their life longer and being able to play with their kids for longer. But I think most gymnasts and most people that are coming out of a sport, they enter it with the mindset of, like, I want to be the best. And I love waking up in the morning with a goal in mind and, right. and something to work towards and get better at. So, so no, I, I, I didn't know, but, I mean, I dressed up as Pippi Longstrump for, like, <laughs> Halloween or, like, our kind of Halloween when I was right. a kid. And she was the strongest girl in the world. So yeah. it is definitely something that I think it's something that I wanted. <laughs> well, congratulations on your career. Thank you. Now, uh, you're originally from Iceland. Mm-hmm. I think of Iceland as being like very friendly, everyone's relaxed, mm. less competitive. Is that a fair characterization mm. or not at all? Absolutely wrong. <laughs> <laughs> if anything, I feel like Icelandic people are very uh, closed off. Okay. Like there's no, I feel like in America, when you walk in, everyone's like, good morning, how are you? There's all this small talk going on. And in Iceland, you talk to people that you know. If you don't know them, there's not a lot of small talk. But once you get to know them, of course, everyone is friendly. And But we're very competitive, and I feel like every there's no really recreational sports. We're in sports to compete. And the thing that I, I love <coughs> about Iceland so much is that we only have 300,000 people. And I feel like when someone does something that's amazing and we're good at something, like, we are good at something. Right. You know, like the Icelandic soccer team are doing phenomenal, and... So we all, there's like, we are good at soccer. And now that like, we're doing well in CrossFit, it's like, oh, we're good at CrossFit. A lot of pride. A lot of pride in being Icelandic. And we have so many great role models. And when there's so few people, it's so easy. It's so, when you look at someone that's the best in the world, it's so easy to like, he's a natural or you don't know how they got there, but they're, when someone in Iceland does something amazing, like, it's someone's aunt or it's your friend. You know someone who knows someone. And, like, you can see that it's possible. If they can do it, you can do it. And I feel like that's kind of, like, that's our energy. <laughs> so you seem very outgoing, though, for the society that you claim is closed <laughs> off. I don't know if that rubbed off on you at all. So tell me, you, you moved to, um, or when was the first time you came to the United States? Um, so my grandparents, or my grandpa was a, an ambassador, for Iceland, and I used to spend a lot of my summers. So, like when I was a kid, they were in London. When I was like seven and eight, they were in um, they were in Denmark. And then when I was like 12, 13, 14, they were in the United States. So wow. they're in Washington D.C. So I would come here and spend my summers with them. And when I was there, I used to 
um, do gymnastics camp like all summer. But my first time coming here for CrossFit was um, I started CrossFit in September of 2011 and that was after Annie who is now one of my best friends. Um, she won the CrossFit Games and I remember looking at her on television and that was kind of like a I had done like a year or two of where I had quit gymnastics and I'd gone I'd done a little bit of track and gone a little bit back to gym. I was just a little lost and I remember looking at her and be like I want to do that and I started that and I made the games in in 2012 and that was my first time like back in the states and in the states for CrossFit and this is Annie Thor's daughter correct yes yeah. And so Annie won the CrossFit Games in 2011 and 2012, mm-hmm. correct? And only three people, as I understand it, have won the CrossFit Games back-to-back. And yeah. it's you and... Three girls. Three, yeah. three girls. Two guys. Okay. And it's you, Annie, and who's the third? Tia. Okay. Yeah, she's from Australia. And so Annie was a bit of a role model for you, correct? Absolutely, yeah. And so talk about that relationship. How did she inspire you to you know, push down this avenue of competing mm-hmm. in CrossFit. So looking, seeing her on television and they had this like little episode that they showed on the internet in Iceland where it was like her leading up to the games and her, cause she had taken second the year before. So there was this whole thing of like, you know, can she win the games? And she didn't and CrossFit blew up in Iceland and everyone wanted to do CrossFit and she blew up in Iceland. And That's so cool. I remember looking at her. Yeah. And just being like, I want to do that. And, and I, I can't remember the exact dates, but, like, in my head, I remember calling, like, the, her gym the day after. And I started working out at her gym. So and she wins, and then you immediately start going to her yeah, gym. Yeah, yeah. So just like that. So just like that. And I remember being, like, totally starstruck when she was coaching one of the classes. I was like, oh, my gosh, like, that's her. And I became good very fast. And I say good because, like, I think it's not good. Like, how – because I think you can come become very – complacent if you're if you're accepting that you become but good but I was good very fast and I did make the games within like what is it like seven or eight months after I started CrossFit and I remember her being coaching me like whoa like who's that oh but cool. after, so like, you stood out amongst the I, people taking yeah classes and I was CrossFit. already like I I would compete against I remember looking at like everyone write their score up on the board and a couple weeks in like I beat everyone like that was had been on the team and competed at the game so I remember I was like I called my mom and I'm like I'm gonna make regionals and that was like three weeks into CrossFit and that's the qualification that used to be the qualification process to make it to the games right and like shortly after that it became like I want to make it to the games well I definitely want to talk about the games but let's back up for a second and and for our audience who Mm -hmm. I'm sure a lot of people listening are super into CrossFit but I'm sure there's (laughs) also a group of people that are like not entirely sure Mm -hmm. exactly how CrossFit differs from say weightlifting or traditional endurance competition talk about CrossFit as a sport or as a um, as a way of life as you like to think about it so CrossFit is a little bit of everything and you have to be prepared for everything and I think that is what has kept me in the sport and so eager to wake up every day and go train because there's all you never arrive anywhere you never you're never good enough at anything because there's always something else if you're really good at your gymnastics 
then you can work on your weightlifting. And then you start working on your weightlifting and you're really good at your one reps or your like or your high numbers, but are you good at cycling a medium load? And then it's like, okay, are you a good sprinter, but can you run a 10K? And then it's like you have all these different time domains. It can be so fast or it can be a marathon. And then you have all these different movements, whether it's weightlifting or gymnastics and conditioning or like cardio. It's all of these things that there's always something that you can get better at. And you never know what's going to show up. Well, one of the things that I find interesting about CrossFit is it, it feels to me like really the first class of exercise that made weightlifting feel like a cardio event. <laughs> you know what I it mean? It could be, yeah. You know, like I'm someone who, who works out with a trainer and we just do sort of slower weightlifting and mm-hmm. it's more focused on lower reps. But the times I've done CrossFit, I'm always amazed by how... Um, out of breath I can feel at times. Yeah. Which I think for a lot of people who just do traditional weightlifting is an unfamiliar feeling. Mm -hmm. Is that something that resonated for you when you first got into it? So the thing about like weightlifting, so let's say that you're a weightlifter and that's all you do and you get very, very strong. You're not going to run because that's going to be tension on your legs. It's going to take away from the power that you can give into the weightlifting. So you're gonna probably gonna get better than me at weightlifting because I'm gonna do the weightlifting, but I'm also gonna be running and doing gymnastics and this and that, and it all it's all fatiguing for that for that high power output. But I want to beat you in everything else, <laughs> you know. And the same goes for running. Like I'm gonna I want to be as good as a runner, but I'm also doing a lot of weightlifting, a lot of gymnastics, which makes my legs a little bit heavier. So I'm probably not going to beat a 400-meter runner and a runner or a 10K runner and a 10K, but I want to beat them in everything else. So I think that's kind of like CrossFit. You want to be good at everything, which in return, you're probably not going to be best at anything but CrossFit. You know? <laughs> right, right. But you're um, the best overall. Yeah, and you want to be good at everything. But that's how you get to be called the fittest woman on <laughs> earth. So that's, you know, that's the trade-off. Now... The process for uh, competing in the CrossFit Games, I learned a lot about this, uh, is actually, you know, it's quite involved. So first you have to go to uh, an open event, correct? Mm -hmm. And and thousands of people go to those, right? And then they select, what what is it, 40 people from the open? So this is going to be very confusing right now. Okay. Because they just changed the whole thing. Oh. Okay, so first let's start with how it used to be. How it used to be? Yeah. So you're right. It used to be that in February or March every year, there's five weeks, and we call it the Open, and everyone in the world can register for the Open. And I think it's been up to 500,000 people to register. And it's just a fun time of the year. You know, everyone in the gym will sign up, and every week a new workout is released on a Thursday night. So on Friday, everyone in the world is doing this workout. And people take it some people are just doing the workout for fun and they like to see from year to year like how much better they've gotten or where they're standing and they like to compete against their buddies and then other people are taking this very seriously and they will do the workout on a Friday they'll have to learn from it and you have until Monday night to submit your score and they might have to do it again on Sunday and again on Monday if that's what they're trying because they, if you want to be top 40 in your region and there used to be like 5, 6, 7, 8 it's been different between years regions so one of them is Europe one of them is going to be the East, one's going to be Australia and New Zealand, and you have to become top 40 in your region, you make it to regionals, which is the, the next step in qualifying, and that was a competition in May, normally like May, sometimes the first weekend of June, and there you had to be top five 
and you'd make it to the CrossFit Games. So at the end, there would be 40 women and 40 men out of the whole world that would make it to the CrossFit Games. That's amazing. Yeah. And so in the in the original uh, the original <laughs> competition, like that original open moment, mm-hmm. could I literally just go and try to compete? Like, Absolutely. Could, could anyone off the street yeah. just go and do it? Anyone can sign up. So, so I think that's really cool. I right? think that's really cool. Yeah. It makes it super accessible. Anyone can compete. And how exactly is that first event judged? Is it is someone have to monitor you doing yeah, these Yeah, absolutely. So you always have to have a judge. Okay. And you have to have a score sheet. And let's say that I want to make it to regionals. That's that's why I say there's like different levels of this. So some people do it for fun and you can have your buddy, you know, count your reps and he'll give you no reps if they're not good and give you the reps if they're good and all of that. Like you'll have more fun with it. But if I know that I want to make it to regional, that's my goal, I have to have a certified judge. And that's someone who has taken an online course that is testing like, do you know the right range of motions? Do you know what the rules are? And put that score in. And I also have to videotape. So at the end of the five weeks, um, you randomly get asked for a video, and they count all your reps and make sure that you are moving correctly. And so not everyone, right. not will everyone have video has to review. do that. No, if you don't make it past to the next one, you're not going to get asked for a video. But if you make it through, so everyone that is making it to regionals, and then regionals, of course, a proper competition setting. You have to go. Regionals on. is where it's forty from each of these different regions. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And then that gets narrowed down to the actual games, which is forty men, forty women. Out of the whole world. Yeah. All right, that's it's pretty awesome. cool. So the first time that you got into this, you did well in regionals, and then not as well at the mm-hmm. games. So it says you got second in regionals mm-hmm. in Europe. And then you finished 30th in the games. This is in 2012. Fast forward three years later, 2015, you're you're getting 14th uh, in the Open, then second in regionals, and then sure enough, first <laughs> fittest woman on earth. A lot of a lot of things happened. Yeah. So so walk me through like over the course of a year, how do you train for and prepare for mm-hmm. that? that moment for the games so if we start at 2012 13 and 14 i had no clue so you're figuring it out i had absolutely no clue i didn't have a coach i would kind of like pick and mix out of different programs what i wanted to do which of course is never a good idea because then you want to do things that you like and what are things that you like things that you're good at right i had big holes and i was a full-time student i um, I was coaching a lot. I was very, like, results-based. Like, I wanted, instead of being focused on, um, you know, what's my best, I'd be like, I think I should be better, like, compared to someone else. Um, I just, I didn't have a very, I was very competitive, but I didn't have the right mindset, not for what I have learned in the past years. Um, and so during that time period, what did, like, a week in the life of Katrin look like? Like, how are you thinking so, about training? Then, to be honest, like, I was very just, like, going through the motions. I was the classic, like, I loved working out and I loved training, and I I'd pick something that I do. I'd normally go to school from 8 to 12, and then I'd go to the gym, train a little, and I'd, I think I'd just kind of check the boxes. Like, I would do the workout and done and, do the, and tell myself that, like, 
that's good job because I, I did the workout. And then and I would coach, and then I'd probably have more, and then sleep. And that's kind of how I went through the motions. And was the workout something that the CrossFit community was putting out on the internet? or It was, was that, a lot of different programs. Or you, you would just come up with your own programs? Um, I wouldn't come up with it myself, but I would pick and mix from different kind of programs and coaches. And I was one of the programs that I would always look at is competitors training or comp train, which is who programs now and is my coach now oh, cool. and I think that like everyone asked that's it like what happened like how how did you go from like 2014 not qualifying for the games to winning it in 2015 and I think that's like the world of a difference and I think you know when I became good right away it's so easy to become complacent and you know you keep I was a games athlete so you keep going through the motions and then again you make it to the game so again you just keep doing the same things over and over and then in 2014 I had a huge weakness and I didn't make it to the games. Hmm. I didn't make it past regionals. And that was such a big hit for me. And But maybe the wake up call you needed. Because the next year you it, came back and won. It honestly ended up being the best thing that ever could have happened to me, even right. though that summer sucked and I I didn't have any plans because all I wanted to do was train for the games. It it showed me how bad I wanted it and how hard I was willing to work for it and I started reading sports psychology I started reading all of these different autobiographies from other athletes and you see like like they fail along the way and and that it kind of showed me that it was that wasn't I wasn't a failure because I failed at that particular event you know it's only a failure if you stop trying and you get up and you keep trying again And, and at the same time I started going I would take these training camps in Boston with Ben Bergeon, my coach, who runs Comp Train, and that's the program that I was doing. He had this phenomenal team and, and individual athletes that I just thrived on the environment there. And and instead of going through the the emotions, it kind of like or going through the motions. It showed me what hard work really was, you know. And it wasn't just doing the workout. It was continuously asking myself again and again and again during the workout, am I giving my best effort? Am I going as fast as I can go? You know, if I'm going too fast or going out, it's like, all right, let's reel it back in. Or am I not? Like, can I give this a little bit? Can I sustain this for, you know, this many more minutes or this many more rounds? And every single time after workout, I wanted to make sure that I'd given it everything that I had. So it's an elevated level of focus is that one was, thing that, that I'm That was hearing. the start of it. And yeah. then at the same time, like, I'm reading these sports psychology books and and my coach, is, he talks to me before, like, what I should be focusing on. And, and after, like, what are your thoughts when you finish a workout? And, and you know, what what should I be focusing on? And it's things that I can control, like everything else, like the leaderboard and, and you know, where I'm placing and my judge and the weather. It's all just wasted energy. And all you can do is focus on myself and my effort and my nutrition and my recovery. And that's when... I started focusing on, I, I think I accidentally, by being in Boston so much, like put myself in this like this bubble where I was like a professional athlete. And I wasn't. I just, when I was in Iceland, I was a full-time student and a coach and, and trying to train for the games. And and in 20, this starts mainly in 2015, like January. That's kind of like when I started spending so much more so time the season begins, in Boston. So to speak. And I asked him to be my coach and and... You know, it, it took him like a month of like wanting to like figure things out, and then it was like, all right, I want to be your coach, and and 
I just spent, so, I, I didn't have any friends in Boston. I mean, I had the people that I was working out with, but no one else. So I wasn't like rushing in and out of the gym. I wasn't, I was going to bed so much earlier and sleeping so much more. And I started focusing on like little things like, I mean, I say little things, but they're kind of everything. It's, you know, like, am I sitting in the Normatex after training? Am I using my muscle stem? Am I warming up properly, cooling down? Am I sleeping enough? It's like, it's all of those things that just like you think are so little things, but they add up to great things. So it's like there's a world of a difference of the athlete that showed up in 2014 and 2015. Well, I, I mean, it, it shows from the things that you're reflecting on. I, it's a very whoop mindset for us to be <laughs> thinking about, you know, all the things that you do outside mm-hmm. of exercise. And exactly. you and I have talked a lot about this. So let's focus on, on that for a second. What would you do? Um, what what would, what would a day in the life of Cashin look like when you were you know in 2015 and training optimally? So you wake up in the morning. What's mm-hmm. the first thing you're gonna do? So now, which is basically this, it's the routine that I still have. It's I my number one thing is always to sleep. It's to sleep enough, and it's to sleep you know eight hours at minimum. But hopefully, it's ten hours. And when I'm in like the peak of my training, it's it's almost certainly 10 hours every night. And I like getting a slow morning. Like I need my morning routine and I need that to be good. And it kind of like sets the tone for the day. And I always feel my day is so much better and I'm happier and I'm probably way more pleasant to be around if I just have my Slow like, mornings are interesting because a lot of people have the opposite mindset where huh. they're like, I wake up and I need to go. So I like that you've got a, this concept yeah. of a slow morning. Yeah. If I'm reading a good book, I do like reading like a chapter or a couple pages of that in the morning. Would that be um, first thing in the morning? Or? I kind of like, I, I wake up and I wash my face and I go to the bathroom and I like kind of like like getting ready a little bit and I make my bed. And then when I go, like once I leave my bedroom, it's like, okay, that's when I probably make my coffee. Um, so you do drink coffee? I drink coffee in the morning and I make my breakfast. And then I normally, like before I eat my breakfast, that's when I would normally like read a chapter or read a little bit just while I sip on my coffee. And I don't always do it, but sometimes I journal. Like if it's something good that I read, I like journaling about it, reading about it. I like um, sometimes I write down three things that I'm thankful for. And that's something that's a great practice. That's it's just I think everyone should look around and just like sometimes you're on that third thing and you have so many things that you're thankful for. You don't you don't even know what you want to put down there. And that's like how good is that? Like how good is that feeling of just acknowledging how much good you have around you and the opportunities that you have and the people that you have around you. So that's like, that's my morning routine. And I like to have like, I like to wake up like two hours before I have to be at the gym. Um, And then I go to the gym in the morning. And again, like I kind of like a slower start to it. Like I like to roll out well. I like to stretch. I like to mobilize. I like to activate everything. And then once I'm going at the gym, I'm all like, go, 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 go. Um, so so that that warm up process uh w- walk me through exactly what you're doing in that period of time. I normally sit on a roller and okay. I just like like rolling everything out um normal like, roller or will it vibrate cuz I know now it's popular to have a vibrating yeah. roller. I actually I don't I'm not a big fan of the the vibrating one cuz I just feel like my head's shaking a lot when it's like I like to roll out like my glutes and my like upper back and traps and stuff but I have tried the little vibrating um ball, ball. Yeah. that's I like that That's good right Yeah I like that So the one that I normally use is just a normal one So um, how long will you roll for I don't know maybe like 
five minutes, ten minutes. Okay. It just depends. No, not a lot longer than that. I just like like to roll it a little bit. I'll stretch, especially like my psoas, my glutes, and my um, my lats. Yeah. And then I'll go through like. Um, and at this point, you haven't really done any cardio, or you haven't gotten no, on a bike yet, so yet I or always, anything like that. Yeah, and then I'll get on a bike or a rower or a runner. And I'll do anywhere between it's it's a minimum of like ten to twelve minutes, but I I like going a little longer, and I'm known for going for my like extraordinary warm ups. But for that's having long yes, warm-ups. everyone's yeah. like, oh, it's a cat warm up, and they start laughing. It's like, yeah. no, we're not doing a cat warm up. But I do feel better, and I just feel primed after I've sweated and after I've opened my lungs a little bit. And sometimes that just takes a little bit of time. So I'll make up any kind of emoms, but it's normally just like ski, bike, row run um burpees any kind of like things that i don't need a lot of warm-up for will, so. you, will you do all of those or you'll pick one but, on a given oh, like day? like today i did bike and run i'll just okay. pick anything sometimes it's just a bike sometimes it's just a run um i just like i mix and match and whatever i'm in the mood for but i like to go for anywhere between like 10 and 25 minutes is very normal for me and what will be the sense for you that you've like you've done it enough are you sweating do so, you try to get your heart rate to a certain that's level like a, that's a dangerous thing because for me it's sweating and so, like when it gets colder when it's hotter like sweating happens at different times so try and like right. really listen to my body and i can just i can just feel when my body is flushing out better like if you are cold and you just go out and hammer the assault bike like your body is going to lock up within 30 seconds yep. but when you're primed and ready you can just feel how much better like your body is flushing out the lactic acid and i, I you can kind of just feel when that's starting to happen and then i kind of know all right i'm ready and i also like sometimes you use a heart rate monitor or i, I go into like the whoop up and you go to like that uh what's it, you go to strap status and i just look at you that just and, look once at your it's heart rate. and i make sure i like to get it above like 160 at least for you know for a couple minutes let it come back down and and then i'm ready and then i'll do i like starting my days with cardio like today i started with bike intervals yeah i don't always get to do that because i'm working on my strength right and then i need to be fresh for that and i want to be have you know have all my muscles and recruiting and fresh to be able to get my big squats in but my favorite is to do all my cardio in the morning and then take a little bit of a break um so, have a shake or a little bit to eat and then train again. So to be clear, right, you've now done 25 minutes of warm-up or mm-hmm. 15 to 20 minutes, something like that. Uh, now you would go into more intense cardio? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And and this is on a day in which you're doing two workouts? I normally train twice a day, and I just feel like you get a lot more out of your training if you take a little bit of break. Like, I can definitely, I can hammer things out and go one, two, three, four, five. Like, But by the time you're in the fifth thing, like, how good is that fifth thing going to be? You know, it's going to be way better if I at least get in some carbs, at least sit down, relax a little bit, um, and so then go breaking again the later. workouts up, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so so then you have uh, a shake or lunch, mm-hmm. and does your diet vary by the time, like by by the, where you are in the season? Absolutely. Okay, so I think. I think it's just like, if you look at my training for the games, I'm training three times a day. I'm training, there's so much volume and so much intensity that my, I can just, my, I don't even know what it's called, like my metabolism, I can just feel it. It's just crazy. You're burning a ton of calories. So I I just need to constantly be getting in carbs when I'm training and and making sure that I'm fueling my body enough so that I'm not um, like losing weight or losing muscle mass and, um, but then, like, after the games, there's a month that I take completely off, and then I started weightlifting a lot, and I'm more 
just lifting and so much less cardio and I can just feel that I don't need all of those carbs but my fat is a little bit higher like it does change a little bit and my my calories are definitely the highest and like throughout July and then I feel leading like, up to the games. yes so the, the games are in August and now I feel like you know they've been a little bit lower and then you know as soon as the, it just holds hand in hand with my training and now I'm ramping my training up and um, so my calorie intake will go up a little bit and the carbs will go up a little bit with that too. Okay, cool. So you have a shake, you've got lunch, then you do your afternoon workout. Mm-hmm. Will your warm up be as long for that no. as well? As soon as I, um, if I've warmed up once throughout the day, my body is kind of like it's, it's working well for the day. And I feel like if I took a big break, if it's a couple hours, I'll definitely, like, get on a bike for five minutes or do, like, a 10-minute something. It's very short, but at least, like, get loose, get a little bit warm again, and it depends on what I'm about to do. But that warm-up is not – I do one big warm-up a day, and then I'm normally – I'm pretty good for the day. How long will will your uh, weightlifting session take? Uh, that depends. My I normally do two big weightlifting days a week, and one of them is a lot bigger, um, a lot heavier, a lot more accessory work, and the other one is is lighter but maybe higher reps, and that one's going to be a bit a lot faster than the one that has all the accessory work. So it could be like two hours, and it could be you know an hour, but then I might do maybe some cardio work with it or sure. Some it's so my training days are are all over the place. There you know there are so many things to work on that. You know, Ben is the mastermind of all of that, and he puts that together and programs all of that for me. And, and I, I love being the athlete. You know, I love being coached and and doing what I'm told. Just so. executing. Yes. And will you know what your workouts are days in advance, or will some days you show up and not even know what you're going to do until uh, the moment? Kind of both. I feel like the summers can be like that. Like I, I don't know. Yeah. I feel like he always has like a structure to it, so I kind of know like what days I'm going to the track, what days I'm going to the pool, like when I'm doing weightlifting, when this. But um, leading up to the games, I feel like he plays it kind of by ear and and by how I'm feeling and how I'm responding. But right now, I always know. Sometimes I could probably look it up. Um, weeks in advance like he programs a couple weeks ahead so I could definitely I don't know I like looking at sometimes look at what's coming up but mostly it's just what I have for like I'll at night I like looking at like what I have for tomorrow okay and planning that out Um, and then I don't look at like I haven't seen what I have tomorrow yet well it's interesting I've talked to athletes uh, and who have both points of view Mm -hmm. some say I always want to know what's coming next like it'll it'll getting in the mindset helps Mm -hmm. me then perform better during a workout but others will say not knowing and just showing up and getting thrown into it kind Mm -hmm. of takes the monotony out of exercising every day you yeah. know, it takes it away, and therefore it's fresh, and, yeah. and you're sort of experiencing something in real time, which in some ways makes you more present. So hmm. it's interesting, but but it's I a, agree with both. Yeah. I'm definitely on the side that I like to know in advance, like not a lot in advance, but like the night before, because I like sometimes it's something that's so challenging. I I have no clue how I'm going to hit those squats or how I'm going to make that imam or this, and I like I get a little bit nervous, and I like to like go through it in my head, like all right, like I'm going to like. So you're visualizing it. Oh, I do that. Yeah, I guess I do that a lot, especially you, the night before. But so you do a lot of visualization. Mm-hmm. And what is, what does that practice look like for you? Is it almost a meditation where, you know, you're thinking about other things and then you'll focus on weightlifting, or is it is it uh, is it something that's very CrossFit specific? I don't know. I think it very depends on like what it is. Like if it's a movement thing that I'm working on, 
um, skill-based um, or weightlifting. I think it's more like I think about it a lot before I go to bed and I'm like seeing it in my head. But if it's a workout or an, like an EMOM or something that like I need to hit or within a specific time frame or a time goal that I want to hit, I'll more like strategize in my head and try and break the workout down like what I'm going to hit like piece by piece. So. Do you visualize in the third person or the first person? So if you're visualizing in the first mm-hmm. person, you can see the weights in your hands, right? If you're visualizing in the third person, it's almost like you're you're looking from the ceiling down and seeing Katrin lifting weights. I think I do third person. Yeah, I do third person yeah. too. But it, it varies by athlete. Huh. Some some are in the first I never person. actually thought about that. It's kind of cool, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. I visualize in the third person too. And do you practice any form of meditation? Sometimes. I've been through a long like period of time where I used to do 10 minutes every morning when I got to the gym. It's oh, the cool. first thing that I did that I would just focus on. And it really helped me f- um, learn about my breathing. Because it's really hard to focus on your breathing when your heart rate's at 180. Totally. <laughs> but when you focus on it, when you're, it's the first thing that you do in the morning and focus on your breathing and kind of try and, and clear your mind. I, yeah, I did that for a long time. I haven't been doing it as much recently. I might start doing that again. But, um, yeah, I do do sometimes meditate. And any specific type of meditation that you do, or it's more just a breathing practice? You know, there's transcendental meditation, there's mm. different forms of mindfulness. No, I, I don't. I think it's, I think I'm doing mindfulness. Okay. Like, what I'm trying to do is clear my mind. And all I'm trying to do is focus on my breathing and, and just be just be where I am. Just, like, be where your feet are. And cool. that's what I'm trying to do. I, I feel like I have that little, like, the, the monkey brain. I'm constantly going somewhere else. Right. But I, I think it's normal, you know. But Now, at the end of the day, so you've done two workouts. You're feeling very accomplished. <laughs> you know, at that point, are you... Um, are, are you very focused on getting your next meal in? Like, will you have a couple yeah. meals before bed? What's sort of that evening routine? Um, I try and always make sure that I'm getting in, um, that I'm refueling. And I do have a nutritionist that kind of, like, helps me, like, guides me to, you know, how much you should be eating throughout the day, what should be good with eating, you know, at certain times or right after workouts or to make sure that I'm in the sooner after a workout that you can refuel, the better it's going to help you, or the more it's going to help you recover. So I do try and always... Um, always have something you know and whether it's like my favorite thing to eat during training it's like you know raisins or banana or my favorite like I always I do one shake a day I don't do it after every training um and I like mixing it with coconut water so that's my like little trick or secret and and my like my favorite one now is like it's the cappuccino from Ascent oh wow I don't know if you tried it but I haven't tried that so that's kind of like what I try And will doing. you put a lot of different powders in? No, only that one. And I'm very, like, very picky with um, what protein I use. And I just, like, I want it to be clean. And, like, the one from Ascent has five ingredients, or the vanilla has, like, five ingredients and, and no artificial sweet. They use, like, monk fruit extract. And wow. So it's, like, I'm very just, like, aware of that, of what I put into my body. And with food, I just try and keep it as clean as possible. Clean being not processed. Yes. What, what else does clean mean to you? Clean, yeah, it's definitely the not processed because I do eat rice and I eat oats and I eat grain and, and a lot of fruit, a lot of vegetable, um, a lot of eggs. And then, I mean, 
you can eat any meat that you want, but I'm definitely more of like over at the fish and the chicken side. Mm-hmm. Um, so less red meat. Yeah, and that's just like a personal preference. Okay. I think my mom doesn't really like red meat, so that's kind of like what I grew <laughs> you're, up on. You were raised on less yeah, red meat. Yeah. Um, okay, and then and, and then before bed, do you have any routines mm-hmm. before bed? What are some things that you think improve your sleep? So my favorite thing to do after training is actually go in the sauna. Oh, it's cool. That's like, like a me time. Like I like bringing a book and I like sitting in sauna and sweating. And I, my body is just feels better in heat. So that's something that I love. Um, will you stretch in the sauna or will no, you focus I'll on breathing? I'll just, nope, I'll read. Just read. Just so like, you just like chill. Yeah. And how long will you spend in there? 15 to 30 minutes. So that's a pretty yeah. decent amount of time, especially, and this is after you've done two workouts most yeah. of the time? I, I am very, like, if it's the summertime and I sweat it a lot that day, I won't go. Okay. I can't. It's like that I'm just depleting my body. So it really depends on the day. Like, I will, sometimes it's not the time for a sauna. Um, and you'll, I, you'll only do sauna or sometimes you do steam, too? Mm, I do sauna. If I if I have the choice, I'll always go in the sauna, but some people prefer the steam. Mm-hmm. Um and then I other things I like to do is sit in the Norma Tech if my legs feel crushed. Like that's something that I like doing. I How long will you go in a Norma Tech for? Uh that varies too, thirty minutes to sixty minutes. Just depends on what I'm doing. Thirty minutes, sixty minutes, yeah. okay. Um and then other things, like if something's tight I'll use a muscle stem, like maybe anywhere between two to three times a week I see a PT or a Cairo just to make sure that every like and I only have this one body you know if I want to be an athlete I have to take care of it and I have to stay on top of everything so instead of trying to trying to fix things I do try and, and prevent things from happening you will know? you do massage work I'll do massage work that's at most once a week okay um but the PT does a lot of um, soft tissue work, and then I do like exercises for to strengthen the muscles that maybe I'm neglecting or or aren't activating as well. And then I literally just like my focus from like you know six o'clock. I like I don't like eating too close to bed. Sure. I just sleep better when I'm not with a full stomach. So I like getting like in an early meal, um, and then trying to like wind down. So it depends on when I'm gonna wake up, but. I like my new thing is literally trying to be in bed by like nine. It's nice. normally like ten for me, um, and then just make sure that I get in. The, like my number one recovery is always sleep. So I'll never like I won't go in the sauna and I won't sit in the normal cycle. I won't do anything like that if it's taken away from my sleep. Like I'll skip everything, even like at the games I'll skip body work if I feel like I need to sleep. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And and are you doing anything? Um, like in your bedroom like do you have blackout shades do you believe in natural light um how cold is your bedroom these sorts of things my bedroom is very cold and I actually I get very cold but it is better to sleep in that and I just I I like that better um right now it's dark enough that I don't need curtains right we're just right now filming this in November yes um but I do like I have like my phone setting I always sleep with it on do not disturb I have like um, a natural light like lamp that wakes me up in the morning so and oh, that cool. has like a clock on the front and I always twist it so that it, so that the light's not aiming at me and I have my computer set so that like at a certain time it starts like putting on that like it looks a little more yellow hmm. but just so that it's not like waking me up you know it's aggravating that blue light um, so there are things that you know I do try and do that and wind down and and not be too much like 
sometimes it's so easy to get like wound up at night you know if there are certain things that you didn't get done during the day or you want to start answering emails or thinking about things that oh that you forgot to do this so I gotta remember that tomorrow and like get really wound up and I feel like it's hard for me to fall asleep like that um so really try and keep like a like an easier night that's harder for me because I feel like with all the training that I do during the day um sometimes like other things get pushed to the side and at night you like feel like you have so much to do but Will you ever take any sleep supplements, melatonin, magnesium, no, I, ambient even, something more intense? No, I've never done that. Um, yeah, that's that's something that I, not that, but like a nighttime routine is something that I have multiple times in the past try to like get into my schedule, but I just feel like every night is so, like I have such a good morning routine and routine throughout the day and everything is so like, and I like a good routine and that's the only thing that I haven't quite gotten into, but I think that could help a lot. Got it. And uh, and how many hours of sleep are you getting on Whoop? On Whoop? Yeah, in general. How many hours is it telling you you're getting? Let's look. 8.27. Wow, that's good. 8 hours and 27 minutes. How, how, off, how much time are you spending in bed? 8.34. Wow, good for you. So you spend eight, 8 hours and 34 minutes on average in bed, and 8 hours and 27 minutes of those are sleep. So for all you Whoop users out there, that's a ridiculously high sleep efficiency. Ding, ding, ding. I wonder why. Well, it's probably because your body is so... So tired. Yeah, so spent. <laughs> I am exhausted. <laughs> and I think you. it sounds like you have a very healthy, um, you have a very healthy diet, which helps. It sounds like you don't have that much uh, variability either in your sleeping routine. Yeah. So going true. to bed and waking up at the same time, we call that sleep regularity mm-hmm. and uh, sleep consistency, rather. And sleep consistency is uh, actually one of the best things for give, for increasing your heart rate variability and hmm. lowering your resting heart rate. Yeah. So it can naturally improve how efficient your sleep is. Hmm. Efficiency being what you have, which is the more time in bed you spend equals more sleep. Because oh, we that. have some people who spend eight hours in bed, but they only get six hours of sleep. That's so annoying. Your, yours is literally like <laughs> one to one, yeah. which is uh, which is amazing and explains in a lot of ways how you're so fit. So okay, that's so that's good knowledge. I wish that's something that I wish would like pop up on your phone. You yeah, know? we're working like, on more of those little feedback loops. Yeah, even like if your recovery is high, like tell me why is it because my sleep's been so good and like my strain's been low, or like and if my recovery is low, like I want a reason for it too. Like I want something to fix and work on. Well, the fascinating thing is there's also things that we don't know yeah. to answer that, right? So like we don't why? know what you just did in the gym, for example. I know, right? Like, yeah. Like we can measure your strain. But we don't know if you necessarily did more weight or less weight than usual, things like that. We also don't know if you introduced something new to your diet. One thing we do now know is if you're traveling. So time zones is a big thing that we're working on. I've noticed that. Yeah. The only time I've ever hit a red is when I fly to Iceland. And it's like an overnight flight and you miss on sleep and it's five hours ahead. And you're just exhausted. Whoop whoop is really good at scolding you when you travel. So that's one area that we're investing a lot in is really understanding travel, jet lag. What we also want to do is incorporate more data from more different sources. So, for example, knowing everything that you're telling me, if Whoop knew that, we actually would be able to tell you why your recovery was lower or higher Mm. than usual. You know, even things about your schedule, like whether you had that mindfulness practice, whether you Mm. did sauna. What I want to be able to do is figure out effectively the recipe for every individual to recover optimally. 
So you're some days you're doing sauna, some days you're not. Some days you're doing PT, some days you're not. It'd be interesting to figure out which of one you know those specific Imagine how things. good it was if we had that recipe. You could like just set it up for a competition. Yeah, like, yeah. You go optimal. competition yeah. mode, and Whoop then tells you all these things. So huh. you know that's a, a part of the big vision around yeah. Whoop is how do we do like what can we do to optimize your performance all the time? Yeah, I mean we're a couple steps in. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, what what else do you uh, use in the product or enjoy about it? My favorite is definitely the sleep. That's the one that I check every... That's like, it's just... Like yeah. I said, like, recovery is so important. Like, I can go as hard as I want day in and day out, but you can only go as hard as you then recover again for the next day. So it's something that I'm so focused on that I... You know, I feel, <laughs> it's so silly, but I feel like the the whoop keeps me accountable. Because it's going to tell me when I went to sleep and it's going to tell me when I woke up. So I can't just like get by with like, you know, six or seven. It's going to tell me when I went to bed. And I feel like I always wanted to like log good things. So it's definitely the sleep. But the one I think I get the most excited about is I look at my recovery score when I wake up. right. And um, I look at, I do log workouts. So I always do the, like the ad activity and put in like when I do like cardio things, like when I did like my bike intervals this morning, or if I do any kind of like Metcons, I'll always like add that in. And I, I'm always so excited to look at my heart rate after, you know, like how fast it's dropping, like how high did I get it? And it's, right. it's you, my like competitive thing, but I get competitive with like how high I can get my heart rate or how high my strength can get. Well, the day. one thing that's interesting to look at, <laughs> which you called out is how fast your heart rate recovers. So if you if you get your heart rate up to 180 during a a set, and then you go sit down to rest for a second, look at how fast your heart rate drops. Because as you get fitter, your heart rate's going to drop really, really Mm -hmm. quickly. I bet you already have a really, really fast heart rate recovery. Me and Amy compete at that all the time. Yeah, right. There you go. We're like, who's the first below 120? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right after you come out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Are you on a team with any of uh, your friends Mm -hmm. or competitors within CrossFit? It's a built by Bergeron team. It's me, Brooke, Cole, Matt, and Ben. So it's like the strongest women in the world on a whoop team (laughs) together. Yeah. Badgering each other about how much sleep you got. Yeah. So it's interesting. It seems like the, the CrossFit community has... Uh, you know, a friendly camaraderie. Is that uh-huh. fair to say? Or is there actually depends. a little bit of... Uh, it definitely depends on who it is. You know, like, um, if you look at Annie is one of my absolute best friends, and, and Brooke, it's like, I know them so well. And they, they're and like actually... Brooke Wells? Yes, they're actually close friends of mine. And, you know, I travel... There's You have these different friends all over the world, and people that, you know, I travel to Colorado, and I train with Camille. And it's like... I have friends all over the world, and then you have others that I just don't know as well, you know? It's just like with anyone else, you know? Some people are friends or some are not, and it's not because you're not friends. It's just because you don't know them as well. Um, so I definitely think, like, there, of course there's a camaraderie with your friends. Like, I want the absolute best for them. Like, of course, we'll always look at each other and, like, I want to beat you, you know? Right, right. But And it's just a mutual respect that, that all of us are working to be the best in the world. And will you share training tips or you know form tips or and again that depends tips. on who it is like right. if it's you know me and annie it's like we're complete open books it's like with each other it's like what are you doing what are you doing like how are you feeling this and that but if it's someone that i'm compete against against the crossfit games you're normally in your own little world and you're not you know sharing anything it's like but yeah it's like and, and me and brooke we have the same coach so we train together of course we're going to learn from each other and there is so much to learn from each other we all have different strengths and weaknesses, and whatever I can teach her, she can teach me in something else. 
Now, I want to talk for a second about the actual event because I think what's fascinating about the CrossFit Games is you don't actually know what you're going to do. Like, I was trying to think about (laughs) any any analogy to another sport or competition where you show up and you don't know what the competition is. It's kind of crazy, huh? Yeah. So, how do you visualize for an event that you don't, you can't visualize, so to Mm -hmm. speak, you know? I don't. So, you don't? You just show up? Um... I mean, before I know, I don't visualize anything. Before I know, I I have all these things that I want to work on. You know, I'm right. focusing on what I want to get better. I'm focusing on the training that I have the next day. And, and I know what I'm good at and I know what I need to work on. And those are the things that, that I'm doing. So it's honestly, it's it's I love when I, I don't know any of the events because I'm not thinking about the CrossFit Games. It, it keeps me present in the moment of what I'm working on today and, and what Ben has programmed for me today and, and to make me as a complete athlete as I possibly can be but once I know an event and you might get to know something you know a week in advance you might get to know something a day in advance and sometimes you don't know at all and I, I love every aspect of it when you get something a week in advance you know you get to think about it a lot and you get to strategize and I I actually, I think I like that the least because then you, you have to practice it and do it over and over again. kind of gets in your head a little bit. Yeah, and I just like, I like to just like kind of more of like the difference of repeating stuff rather than performing. Like I like the pressure, like the adrenaline. I like the the more like, you know, is this going to work out or not? And you got to rely on what you've trained and, and what you know and how well you know your body. But when you do it over and over again, you can, you le- you do mistakes and you learn you have to like fix them and do it so you just end up repeating it a lot of times and that's fun too because you see how much you improve every time but that's probably my least favorite and then when you know something with like three days in advance like the marathon row at the games for for example you know you have to prepare for that and you have to prepare for how you're going to feel during a marathon and what you're going to wear and so to be clear the the games this past year Mm -hmm had a rowing event that was a marathon is that correct it took three hours right and and how soon did you know about that beforehand so that was i think it was it was either two or three days in advance so so then of course you start thinking about it and like you can't practice that but you can start strategizing and you can start prepping for you know how you're going to feel during you know the first hour the second the third how you're going to recover from it but then there are some events that he will literally bring us out on the floor and just be like this is the workout and you have the time to go warm up you might have depending on what heat you're in you might have half an hour and you might have like two hours right but that is definitely my favorite because then you really have to rely on yourself you have to rely on your skills and your ability and, and your own like strategizing and with your coach with like with what you are going to do and I think that's what really showcases like who is prepared and who is not that's a healthy attitude. So the CrossFit Games, explain for our listeners um, just the basic structure of it. How many days is it? How many events? And how do you how do you technically win? Regularly, it's, it's a very – because it could be anything, but it's normally five days, 15 events. Five days, 15 and events, typically them, three a day? Um, or that varies? No, so sometimes the, the Thursday is off. So we might do like – like let's take this year for example. I think we did four events on the Wednesday. Um, I think I didn't. I don't know if we did anything on Thursday, but then we might have done like you know 
four, 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 or something like that. Or it might be like four, one on the Thursday, three on the Friday. And then, like, it's very, there's normally a lighter day in there. We've, we've never done five heavy days on. Actually, we did do Thursday this year. But, <laughs> yeah, I can't, they all kind of, like, mix into one sometimes. But. So it's interesting. I mean, there's a lot of variability to the yes, competition. Yes, Absolutely. And has there ever been, like, any scandal where a competitor found out what it was the event was going to be ahead of no. time? No. That's good. So the yeah, games have been pretty clean. You know, the director of the CrossFit Games has a gym that he has people test out workouts, and no one even knows where the gym is. Like, I know when he brings athletes to the gym, to t- he blindfolds them to get them there. You know, <laughs> really? Where he writes up That's workouts. That's fascinating. And I don't think – I think he keeps it very close with, like, who knows the workouts. And Honestly, this is, being a competitor, I don't think anyone wants to know the workouts. Like, how oh, interesting. how much fun would it be to win a workout that you're like, oh, you knew it, like, way in ahead? Yeah, right. Well, Not that it even guarantees that you would win the workout, but I don't know. So, wait, I got to go back to this blindfolding thing. So, like, this this guy's, like, the founder of CrossFit? Yep, Dave Castro. Okay, and so Dave has a secret gym somewhere mm-hmm. in the United States, probably, mm-hmm. and he'll blindfold athletes and bring them there. Yeah. And then they'll do a workout and then kind of get... I mean, I've never been that athlete because I'm always competing, but I, I did see a video once of, like, someone, like, blindfolded, like, coming in so that they don't know where it is because I know that he writes up workouts, like, in throughout the whole year, probably, like, changes them and, and mixes them up, but... So he's yeah. constantly innovating on what the competition can look like. Mm-hmm. And in 2015, uh, do you feel that... Do you feel that you were just the fittest of everyone or do you also think that the events that were chosen helped you win the competition because there's that balance as well right um to be honest i think the one that wins is always the fittest out of everyone oh, that's, really, that's cool yeah i i do believe that i feel like you know let's i think like top three to five are all they're going to be the fittest in the world and there, I don't think one is necessarily like a lot better than the other, and I think any one of those top five could win. And I think like I think it definitely matters what events show up, like if it plays your strength or your weaknesses. Um, but something that you, we want to do every single year is I don't want to have weaknesses. I want my worst finishes to be a tenth place finish, and I want to be racking those points and whatever shows up. So I don't think it's ever an excuse as to what shows up because you could have trained that that year. I would never, ever be like, she won because of the events that showed up. Well, she trained better than She was good at those events, and I could have done that too. Like, there's nothing that anyone else does. Like, if someone got so good at something, then I can do that too. Like, why should she be able to be good at that and not me? You know, so I believe we can all become as good as we want at anything, and it's just a matter of our training and our mindset. So I do believe that the top three to five in the world are the fittest in the world and then it is a matter of your mindset and what and your training and and of course it does matter what shows up because it is so tight but but that's never an excuse and are there some events that you think uh certain individuals are more naturally capable absolutely yeah absolutely just you look at body types of course someone that's bigger is going to have an easier time with the barbells and someone that is smaller is going to be better at muscle ups and the gymnastics and someone that's leaner and and longer limbs is going to be better at running but at the same time like i believe that it it evens out because the girl that then is winning the muscle up events normally isn't like the strongest or the one that's so good at running is going to have a harder time with a barbell or if you're longer 
you know, you're going to be more efficient at rowing, but then you have a, you have a longer, like, um, like plane of like motion for thrusters, let's say. So normally, like, you know, you win some, you lose some in CrossFit. And, and of course, like people have different backgrounds, so they're going to be, have different strengths and play to that. But yeah, you, you are here yet. You work with what you've got, you know? What was the psychology from winning the games in 2015 to winning the games in 2016? Because hmm. when I talk to professional athletes who have who have won an NBA championship or something, for example, hmm. they always say it's harder to win the next year. Yeah, it is. Because there's more pressure. People now recognize mm-hmm. you. You now are thinking about it. Yeah. Did you feel any of that? Um, absolutely. Um, in 2015, it was... Um, I just not qualified. No one was looking at me. I was on no one's radar, and and there is no pressure. I just I truly fell in love with the process of of working out hard and giving it my best effort and becoming a better version of myself. And I just I loved it so much. And I just had a great mindset that year that literally nothing else mattered, just my performance on the field. And and every time I'd come off and I'd high five my coach, and it's like yes, all right, let's move on to the next one. And and if there was. Not, not to say that that's easy, but it, you don't have that pressure. You don't have the media, like, asking you what you're doing. You don't have everyone, like, pulling at you in so many directions. But coming in as a reigning champion, number one, I felt like I did feel a little bit of, like, people thought it was a fluke. You know, like, oh, like, some people got injured or, you know, like, oh, the events lined up. And it, it's like it's not the case you don't accidentally win the CrossFit games and and I worked so hard all year round because I wanted to prove that it wasn't a fluke and I worked day in and day out and and with my coach and I again like took another year where I I moved to Boston and to get to work with him every day so that I literally was like focus mode and I and a lot of things happened that year and I I lost my grandmother it was my absolute best friend and, and rock in this world and I had something. I had a higher purpose. I, I did everything for her, and I made sure that I was going to give everything that I had, whether it was in training or in recovery. And, and when I showed up, like everything, I, and I felt like I had her with me. Like I'd come off the field, and I didn't even know how I did the things that I did. Yeah, that's inspiring. So I, I there was a lot of mix of things. Like I, I did work so extremely hard because I, I wanted to prove that it wasn't a fluke, but I also I had that higher purpose. purpose. Yeah. So. Well, that's awesome. So you now have amassed a, a, a big fan base, you know, mm-hmm. and, and whether it's on social media or elsewhere, you know, did you expect to have millions of fans who are rooting for you in, in mm-hmm. this journey? No, I actually still think that's, it's crazy. It's got to be a little surreal. It is, but it is what pushes me, you know, I had to, I, you have to redefine your why so many times and and sometimes, you know, you literally ask yourself, why are you doing this? And there are, you know, periods of time where you do that. And my biggest why is definitely, like, I get messages from girls that tell me that in some way or another, like, they saw me, whether it's work out or, you know, listen to a podcast or saw me in a documentary. And, and you know, and they, because I get to go in and do what I absolutely love every day and work so hard towards that, they get inspired to become a better version of themselves. And that means the absolute world to me, whether it's, you know, little girls or, or you know, I get messages from men, grown men or women right, or wh- right. whoever it is. It's just like I've, I remind myself of that every single day that I'm going to do it for them. I'm going to do it for someone that is going to see because I feel very... 
I'm very thankful for the opportunities that I get. Like if I get to speak and if I get to be in a documentary or someone, you know, because of the the position that I'm in, people want to, you know, do documentaries or videos on me and I get to speak. And someone is going to look at that and and become a better person or be inspired to work harder or get better at whether it's CrossFit or being a better friend or at school, you know. Like if it if if it can do something for one person, it's going to push me today. And that's something that I, I try and think about every single day. Well, female empowerment is very important right now in mm-hmm. society. And if you think about, you know, there's a the very clear analogy to being strong, mm-hmm. you know, both literally and figuratively um, as a woman. And it seems, it seems that just weightlifting for women has been growing over the last mm-hmm. five, ten years. Have you noticed that? Absolutely. Like and in I popularity? Think, I think that's CrossFit. Or at least, like, the one reference that I have to that is Iceland. And when CrossFit started growing in Iceland, of course, like, we started weightlifting. And that's what brought weightlifting back into Iceland. You know, there were no girls competing in weightlifting until the CrossFit girls started competing in weightlifting. So I'm sure that has had an effect here, too. I know there's a bigger base of, like, of girls that train weightlifting and are weightlifters. Um, and are phenomenal in that. Um, But I'm sure that CrossFit did help that with just, like, getting more girls in there. And and I think, like, I don't know if it's just the image that you have in your head that you're going to get, like, you're too big or you're too bulky or this or that if you you lift. But it really is, it's empowering. And it's it's just girls all over the world that like to lift. And I think seeing someone else do that, and I think it gives you – when you get stronger, it gives you confidence. And when you're confident in what you can do and who you are, I think that really, it, it always shines through. I think you're happier. I think you're able to compliment others more because you don't feel threatened because you're happy with yourself. I, I Yeah, I, I mean, weightlifting or working out or whatever it is, I, I think it, it gives you confidence and it makes you a better person. And do you find you have more uh, male fans or female fans? I don't know. I don't, I really don't. I would, like, at the top of my head, like, if you have to give an answer, I'd probably say females. Yeah. And maybe it's just that I notice them more, and maybe they're more vocal about it. Maybe they're the ones that come up to me a lot more. Right. And whenever I see the thing that means most, absolute most to me in the world is when little girls come up to me and, and tell them that I inspire them or that they want to become stronger and, and better at this or healthier. It's like that means the world to me, you know? Um... So I would, I would guess that, but I think my Instagram is pretty... It's like 45 55%, something like that. Okay. You know, from the database, but... Right, right, right. That. And do you feel that men and women within CrossFit are being treated equally? You know, there's a big, yes. there's a big debate in sports, right, mm-hmm. where you look at tennis, for example, the last 12 months, there's been all kinds of debate about whether Serena Williams is not mm-hmm. being treated as fairly as other male tennis players, or we saw this in uh, soccer recently. Yeah. How about in the CrossFit community? That's another, I feel so, I feel like I've, I'm just lucky, you know. I, coming from Iceland, we have the highest, um, like, gender equality in the world, did you know that? Oh, that's cool. It's, uh, like, our parliament and our, like, our pay and, and, like, females in power positions. And we had the first female president in the world in 1980. We have, it's, I'm so incredibly proud of that. And at the same time with CrossFit, I'm so proud to be a part of the sport where we are equals. 
and we get the same amount of TV airtime. We get the same prize money. We get the same workouts. We, I mean, we scale the loads relative to the men, but everything else is the same. And I just feel very lucky to get to be a part of that. I'm proud of that. Well, I think it's terrific. I also think it may reflect the fact that uh, from an audience standpoint, uh, the audience is just as excited to watch the female CrossFit mm-hmm. Games as they are to watch the male yeah. CrossFit Games. Yeah. And and may, that may very well be because stars like you are doing such a good job commercializing the sport. Mm. You know, I think other sports like, say, the WNBA, for example, it's not as an exciting product. It doesn't mm. have the same level of star power. Mm. So it's harder to make a case that NBA players and WNBA, and WNBA players should be, you know, getting paid the same and this and that. So it, it, it's, I think it's A lot cool. of that, though, is that who do you support? It's the people you know. Who do you know? It's the people that have documents out. It's the people that have books out. When you get to know someone on a personal level, you're going to, like, feel like you, you're going to want them to win a lot more. Right. And you're going to know them a lot better. And when you have more TV time, you know, more people are going to see you. More people get, want to get to know you. So I think, like, when you already have this distorted image of something, when, like, the guys get all the TV time right. and the females don't, of course you're going to know the guys. You're going to want to watch them. You're excited. to watch, Like, if it's your friend competing, you're so excited to watch him. But if you don't even know who's competing, you know, like, I feel like in so many sports and in this world, it's so distorted already. And I know what you're saying like of course they have so much they're gonna draw so much more attention they have so much more power of course they should get more pay but it's just because it already is so distorted and i feel like in crossfit we we entered it at a level playing field and we're able to do that and i think we're setting a great example for other sports now were were both games for the men and for the women started at the same time yeah so that's probably as one, far as I know. That's yeah. probably one piece that's very helpful. Yeah, right? I think you started so. on a level playing field. Yeah, a lot of these other professional sports were male dominant, exactly, and then introduced. Yeah. So to your point, you know, that's probably that could contribute in large part to why mm-hmm. this, you know, income uh, inequalities continuing, or mm-hmm. or just general fan base inequalities continuing. Yeah, I want to quickly run through some of the different recovery modalities Mm -hmm. that uh, you may have tried or you may have used. So we're just going to run through these and and you tell me whether or not (laughs) uh, you tell me whether or not you like them or you've tried them. Uh, Cryotherapy. Yeah, I did that. So I had a really bad experience with that one. So I I denied to get into that for years. What's a bad experience look like? I think she put me into like two. I'd never done it before. And I think I got put on like, I think if you just look at me like a high level, like of course you should do the highest level of like cold. And and (laughs) so I just, I freaked out in the chamber and I felt like my body was getting ruined and, and I was getting frostbite and all these things. So that was terrible. But... This summer, I started giving it, and I literally went in, and I was like, I want level one. They're like, oh, I was like, level one. I was yeah, like, yes, right. I want level one. And I started doing that, and I slowly worked my way up, and it's actually something that I do like. It's I never know, like, if it really works or if it's a placebo effect, but if it makes me feel better, you know, like, I felt like a rush going down to my legs, like, after you're done, and a little bit like a, like a Normatec to the extreme, and especially in the heat. Like, I just thought it was, like, anything that can cool your body temperature down, like, that I, di- I did do that this summer and I did like it yeah I know what you're saying about that moment where you go in <laughs> for the first time because yeah. it, it feels like straight out of like a torture camp yeah I mean, and you're, it, it you're, hurts you're locked in this tiny little I thought it was ruining my body and she didn't let me out so that was the thing if she would have just let me out I would have tried it again she didn't let me out so I was panicking in there okay, so that's it's a, a scene. bit of a situation yeah. 
Uh, how about acupuncture? I don't know the difference between acupuncture and dry needling, but I have had needles in my body. And is that something you'll do regularly or no? Not? I'm really I I'm like definitely afraid of needles, and I've like because it's my only body and I take care of it. And if something that I'm working with a PD, PT that believes in this and thinks that it, it's it's going to do good, like I'll go with it if it's a PT that I trust. So I have had it done a couple times. Um, never so that I see. So it's always been like the back of my shoulders or my back and. I feel like I honestly feel like I can't breathe while it's happening, but I've tried it. And I don't know which one I've tried. Okay. I don't know the difference. We've talked about uh, Normatec and foam rolling, so mm-hmm. you're a big believer in both yep. of those. Have you ever used uh, the Hypervolt or the Theragun? Like yes. those little. Yes, I, sh- I have a Hypervolt. The drills effectively. I love that. I, I haven't had it for a long time, but it's like, especially like on a competition day when you just like want to sit there and like flush your legs out or. Um, I do like that. The hypervolt's a little less. The Theragun is very loud, and the hypervolt, it's it's more like you can have it in public, you know? I've heard people like hypervolt more than Theragun, yeah. generally. Uh, we talked about sauna, so you're a big fan yep. of that. Uh, you mentioned e-stim before? Uh, yes. So what will you use for that? Um, I've had a Compax for years, you know, that I'll use, and I'll put that on my back. And I just like the normal one that like has all the wires, and I feel like you can like pull your pants up over them, and because I use it a lot on my back and my okay. glutes. Um, yeah, so you, normally I have used them on my quads. They're just hard to use on your shoulders or your biceps because I feel like I, anything that I want to use on my arms, I always feel like I can't do anything while I'm like while I'm using them. But yeah, I use it a lot. Uh, cupping. Yep, I actually have like cupping bruises right now. I just tried it for the first time. Oh, interesting. So I don't do you know. think you'll do it again? Yeah. I mean, I've done it twice now, but, um, and I, my, I, I think they're helping. I always do so many things at the same time, you know, like, I am still, like, you see a PT, and you might do, like, cupping, and you might be doing, like, manual work, and then you might be doing extra exercises for it, so you never know, like, what's the thing that's moving the needle the most, but, I mean, I'm Well, this is better. probably the best time of year to, to try be trying all this stuff, yeah. right? Because the games are nine months away or yeah, something yeah. yeah so I mean I definitely they're bringing blood flow to the area so I I always think that's that's great for recovery you ever used a compression suit uh nope uh kinesthesiology tape uh I mean it's been put on me but I'm never really I I don't know what that does I think that at the same it's kind of similar probably like a light cupping you know it's bringing some blood blood flow to the area but no I've never really used will that. you ever do ice bath do ice very little. I'll use an ice bath if I'm really hot during competition, um, and I just need to cool my body temperature down, but not really for recovery. Anything, any anything that I've missed that you think's important? Mm, just like PT work, you know. I think that's like massage therapy, chiro, or PT, like all those things. I think that's important. Yeah. You know, especially for like, you know, if you're thinking about your shoulders or, you know, your lower back, like you can't really work on those things as well as you need to do. Like you can maintain, but I think like, like deep tissue work needs to be done by someone else. Okay. All right. We're, I'm going to ask you some quick, quick questions. These have been crowdsourced to some degree uh, and we, we'll go from there. What is something that you do that no one would expect from the fittest woman on earth? <laughs> so I guess this could be like a guilty pleasure. You ever uh, 
having mm. martinis late at night or, <laughs> you know. Like, <laughs> well, that would be a complete surprise, huh? Yeah. No. Um, what do I do? Maybe you're just, you know, perfect and dialed in and no, focused. No, that's not true. I wish it was. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I Like, right now, my, like, bad things that I'm doing is, like, I'm, like, I'll get, like, a cappuccino or something that, like, normally just get a cappuccino and I'm, like, add one pump of white chocolate, please. That's oh, my, there you like, go. Yeah. A little chocolate. Yeah. Uh, when you hear the expression optimal performance, who comes to mind? I don't know. I just, when you say optimal performance, I like see myself and I see the gaps where I should improve, you know? That's like interesting. I, yeah. yeah. Like I want to see myself in optimal performance and I know how to get there. Like not to say that you'll ever get there, but like I'll continue, like I'll always continue to like strive towards it, like strive towards better sleep, towards better workouts, towards better, you know, getting better at this skill and better at this conditioning. And like, it's just, there's all these like levels that you need to like raise and you want to get everything to the top. What are some influences uh, for you on on health or training? So we, you talked before about some books that you read. Mm-hmm. You said you got into psychology. What are some of the different things that were impactful? Um, definitely like Champion's Mind. That Champion's was, that Mind. That was a book that I think has like impacted me the most. And then it's just my coach, Ben Bergeron. He's kind of like gets me in the right mindset um, and has taught me so much. Um, What's the most important uh, theme from Champion's Mind? Being the best version of yourself. You know, not don't compare yourself to others. It's like compare yourself to yourself. That's at least what yeah what I can take out of it. And it's like, what's your gold standard? And like, try and live up to that. Hmm. You know, how can I do? What's how can I give my best at this at this exact moment? Other like you know influences it's definitely like you know my family like you pick different things from different people and and different athletes have different work ethic and you pick different things that like all right I want to be like this one on this or this one on this it's like I I literally I find influences and inspirations everywhere it could be my friends or my siblings you know for certain characteristics it's you know for some it's just like how to have fun and for some it's like how to literally grind through a through a sucky workout you know and you just like have, have you met any athletes that you felt starstruck around or you were in awe of? Not for a long time. You know, my first games, yes. And I just, like, you know, you feel out of place and you feel nervous. And it's like, oh, my gosh, I've seen them on YouTube. But, right. you know, I, I think as as soon as, like, I start being on YouTube and I start being in all these articles, it's like you start you stop looking at them and, and you become equals. It's right. I think it's very hard to be, compete with someone that you are starstruck by. How about in other sports? Do you interact with athletes ever in other sports? Yeah. I don't know. I just feel like it's I feel like I get approached a lot and people are so starstruck. They don't even know what to say. And <laughs> and, and all I want to say to them is like, "Oh my, like I'm just Katrin. Like I still get told off by my mom and I put stuff in the dishwasher." You know, it's so like I'm I'm just cat, you know, and it's, I feel it's like, surreal to see how people change around you. You mean? Yeah, it's like and and them being starstruck. So that's why it's like when I meet someone that you know you think you should be starstruck by, it's almost like, you know, they still just have a mom and they're a family and and, and a friend and all those things. So it, it kind of like it brings things back to me, like back down to earth. It's like you know we're all we're all just humans. That was one thing for me, I remember, in, in getting to work with athletes like mm-hmm. yourself. Like, it's, you know, you just have to 
really focus on the purpose of the meeting or yeah. you know because I've put technology on on some of the, you know the top most recognizable athletes in the world and, and when you're in that moment you just have to yeah focus on and the it's moment so, it's so and hard not make to it weird yeah. not make it weird for the athlete <laughs> or whoever else yeah and so um well anyway it's it's uh it's no surprise that that's how you feel about it um what's the most relaxing vacation you've ever gone on I'm probably going to have to say, like, the one that comes to my mind, like, you know, probably years ago. Like, I've been to Thailand when I was a kid, and I was probably, like, you know, I'd probably just take a break and this and that. But the one that comes to my mind is when I went to Morocco after I didn't make the games. And, like, all I wanted to do was be training for the games, but I didn't have that. So I was like, you know, my family had already planned a trip to Morocco, and my dad's like, well, do you want to come? And I was like, well, I guess, yeah, you know. So I went to Morocco, and that's when I started reading. I'd never even, like, read a book in my life. I, you know, not rarely in school you know if it was a school book I'd read it but I never like read anything outside of it um and I just started reading and I like hang by the pool or the beach any tricks for beating uh jet lag or travel um I think it depends on like where you are but I always try and get like right on the time zone like when you do an overnight flight to Iceland and it's so early still here but it's like middle of the night in Iceland and you like land there it's like I could go get a full night's sleep, but then I'm just going to stay up, like, then I'm going to be sleep. Like, you land at, like, 6 a.m., you're probably in bed by, like, 8. Like, for me, it's, like, just get less sleep for that day. It's, like, get up at 11, you know, get, get a couple schedule. hours sleep, like, get on yeah. schedule, just be tired for that day, and then be in bed, like, early, th- like, that night. Like, something like that. Like, wherever I land, I try and as soon as I can, like, get on the schedule for that day, and if I can, I move around always after a flight it's like try and move around and get some blood flow now you have a book coming out Mm -hmm. daughter my journey to becoming a two-time crossfit games champion uh do you want to talk a little bit about that book we're still there's still so much left and so much left in the process yeah that it's just like we're hoping that it's going to come out i think it's like we're looking at like march april um but it's crazy writing a book, and it's so many directions that you can go in, and totally. and what I want to write about, and what I want to say, and and how do I want to have like the storyline, this and that. But we'll talk about it. we'll do another one later when it's when it's ready. How do you feel about the growth to uh, these like celebrity fitness models, you know, like Instagram models? Mm-hmm. Do you feel like it's good in that they're incentivizing people to exercise or do you think it's bad in that they're you know taking these perfect snapshots of themselves they actually don't work out that much Mm. you know what's your point of view as someone who's clearly an athlete um i don't know i honestly haven't thought about it It, um if they inspire someone to get up and get moving and and be healthier and eat healthier then i think it's great and i think it's easy for people to criticize when they think that's easy and they think that you know oh they're just an instagram star or just this like i bet they put a lot of work into it a ton of work into it you know there's so much work that goes into like being on social media and it takes a lot of time to create content and and so if it's all done if they have if they're doing it for the right purpose i'm all for it yeah Um, that's great so but like I just think everyone needs to be able to do their thing and um i definitely like i've been asked if i'm if if i'm just showing a glamour side to this and that and and my answer is always like i want to do positive things i'm not 
if I'm not feeling good, if I'm not looking good, I'm not going to go take a picture and post it. Like, I, I'm not going to put something negative into the world. And I'm not going, if I, if I don't feel good that day, I'm not going to go complain on Instagram. It's, I want everything, I want people to go to my page or to look at what I post and be inspired or empowered. And I want them. So I want to put positive things out there. So of course, it's going to be more of the better sides of my life. But I also try and be honest. I want to, I do all of my social media and I want it to be me and I, I want it to be see-through and I want to be vulnerable and I want, you know, things like, you know, not making the CrossFit games or, you know, I failed a law course once and I try and talk about it because I, anything that when you, when you, when you can find a silver lining in anything, I think that's good. So if there's something that I can, a failure of mine that, you know, it's ended up being the best thing that could have happened to me. If someone's going through that right now and like, maybe it is the best thing that happens to me and like can pull themselves out of that like yeah I'll talk about that but a lot of things are you know they might look like you're showing a glamour life but you know I want it to be positive but I do put in real things and and if it's I want to be open and honest makes a lot of sense and how, and how can people find you online um it's just my name and my middle name so Katrin Tanya so K-A-T-R-I-N and T-A-N-J-A. And we'll include this, obviously, in the show yeah. notes. Yeah, um, so I'm mostly on Instagram, but I, I do have Twitter and Facebook and Snapchat, but Instagram is where I put out content and, and where I thrive the most. Well, look, Catherine, you've been uh, so much fun to interview. It's been a pleasure working with you at WHOOP, and we're glad that uh, I love you working get, with you guys. We're glad that you get a lot of value out of the data. Yeah. And uh, happy training this, this winter. Stay warm. Um, And thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the third episode of the Whoop Podcast. Big thank you to Katrin for joining us and being such a wonderful guest. Katrin, we are rooting for you and and wish you nothing but the best of success. Uh, You can visit whoop.com slash the locker for show notes, and for links to the relevant topics of what we talked about. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the Whoop podcast on iTunes, Google, Spotify, uh, or wherever across the internet that this podcast exists. You can join the Whoop community for $30 a month and get 24-7 access on your biometric data, as well as analytics across strain, sleep, recovery, and more. The membership comes with a free Whoopstrap 2.0. And if you enter the code WILLAHMED at checkout, that's W-I-L-L-A-H-M-E-D, I'll give you your first month on Whoop. That's a free month off, WILLAHMED at checkout. And for our current members, visit our new holiday shop at Whoop.com. We've got gift cards to extend your membership at a discounted rate, premium gold and silver clasps. We've got amazing feedback on those, gold and silver clasps, uh, seasonal bands, and a lot more. So if you're looking for some bling or you want an ugly sweater band for your ugly sweater office party, yes, check out the holiday shop at whoop.com. That's all I've got for you folks. Thanks again for listening to the Whoop Podcast.